Hello and welcome to Little Pine Tree Studio Productions. I am your host, Dodie Perditas, and this is episode two of series two. As we move forward in 2024, we want to gain a better understanding of what tools and ideas will be essential to implement in 2024. As we see already a changing job market and an aggressive artificial intelligence industry exploding on the scene, today I am happy to present a discussion between two dynamic, unique individuals, Jessica Craig and Alex Perditas. They both embody an artistic side, a practical side, and have advanced technical skills. While they both love photography, Alex has worked as a photographer, as many of our listeners know, who have met Alex many times by now, and Jessica works in marketing and management. Now, let us begin. Jessica, I will start by asking you to introduce yourself and to give contact numbers that you'd like anybody else to use. Hi there. Um, I'm, first of all, I'm excited to be here and, and talk with you guys. Um, like Jody said, my name is Jessica. Um, I'm 26. I'm in uh, marketing management. I went to school for uh, business commerce, um, majoring in marketing management. And then I kind of started um, into, uh, well, I've always been into creativity and stuff, but I've, I've gone into more design professionally um, in recent years. Um, so yeah, if you if anyone wants to contact me, uh, you can email me at jessica.ecraig at outlook.com um, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Thanks, Jessica. We're excited to have you. Um, Alex, do you want to just uh, briefly introduce yourself again? Yeah, no problem. Hey guys, I'm Alex Perditas. I'm a professional wildlife and portrait photographer based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I'm also a photography instructor teach independently and with a few different uh, companies. If you need to contact me, um, probably the best way is actually just through Instagram. So it's Alex underscore Perditas. Uh, you can see my wildlife photography gallery, which is admittedly right now a little bit sparse because mm -hmm. I pulled a bunch of images. But um, yeah, if you need to contact me, that's the best way. Thank you. So I do want to throw this out and uh, I'm really interested to know what role curiosity plays uh, in your creative endeavors and, and your life and, and just how that may have changed or how it's been stable over your, your life or your career. Jess? Yeah. So um, I would say that I've always had um, kind of an interest in creative um, avenues. Definitely when I was younger, I tried out drawing and painting and kind of more traditional. I feel like when someone says they're creative, a lot of people's minds go to, oh, you can draw and paint and kind of create um, like physical mediums like that. Um, turns out I wasn't too good at those. Um, so I kind of played around with those a little and then I moved on to um, photography in high school. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing that and I really kind of um, got more into it, I guess, um, in probably uh, grade 10. So when I was about maybe 14 or 15, um, when I took my first photography class um, in high school. So that's pretty much where it um, stemmed from. And then from there, it's kind of a ebbed and flowed, you know, as, as different responsibilities mm -hmm. and you get busy and put things down and pick things up and, and stuff like that. Um, so I've definitely fallen out, um, kind of 
not out of love with photography, but kind of just, um, it's gone a little bit more to the wayside. I still take pictures, but now it's mostly just iPhone stuff and, and stuff like that. Um, but now it's a little bit more um, design focused because um, I actually started at my current company. I was hired as a graphic designer. Um, so obviously uh, design, I spent a lot of my days um, doing design work uh, for them professionally. And then lately, one of my favorite um Kind of like creative outlets or something that I'm learning, I enjoy learning about it and practicing um, is interior design because I, I live on my own for my first time. So it's been really fun to kind of um, explore this whole new um, avenue that before was not really an option beyond um, my bedroom. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's been fun to kind of like create pieces and create like an energy and, and create your space in your home because that, that really affects kind of how I feel day to day and stuff. So it's been uh, very rewarding so far. So Jess, you were very accomplished as a photographer at that time. Um, if I hear what you're saying, it's sort of morphed a bit to yeah. fit into the kind of life that uh, you're living now, but that the basic principles that you loved about it, you're able to express them differently now? Definitely. Yeah. Like, like I said, I kind of, I do still enjoy picking up um, my phone and taking like nature pictures and sunset pictures and stuff like yeah. that. But it's mostly just like, oh, this is beautiful right now. Or I, I, just, I take fun pictures of them all the time. And I do kind of get creative with it, maybe beyond what the average person kind of would do with their phone. Um, so that's, that's fun. But then, yeah, I kind of have a different um, outlet. And I guess it does, the result is the same. It's kind of like enjoying the process and then having a final piece to look at and be happy with. So whether it's through photography or digital art or interior design, it's, it's, basically encompasses all of the same um, same interests and, and kind of how it makes you feel, I find. Very interesting. I love to hear how people do, you know, how they carry forward with those yeah. ideas. So, Alex, I'm also going to ask you, uh, a lot of people know you, but again, the role that curiosity uh, has played with you, and I know you expressed this uh, in the last episode, but I think uh, Jessica might be interested to hear this too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I would, I would say that curiosity in its role in creativity is kind of almost like a defining characteristic in my person. Uh, <laughs> uh, throughout my my childhood, I was always exploring art and science and and all that kind of stuff, uh, using my cre uh, curiosity and creativity. And all the way up now where I'm a professional photographer or basically my, I like live and breathe in the creative sphere. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of interesting how, yeah, it's, it's everywhere in my life. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. Everything I do is driven by it. Yeah. So then um, I'm interested to know how you're both have these similar um, skills. And I'm going to ask each of you, and then if you want to discuss it with each other, that would be fun to hear. Um, but Jess, I'm going to start with you. Okay. And I just want to ask you, do you see yourself as an artistic thinker, a practical thinker, or both? Alex has previously stated that he uh, does both, but never at the same time. And I'm just wondering what you feel about that and what you might say to Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting that Alex says that he does 
both, but never at the same time, because, um, well, first of all, I guess I would say that I, similar to Alex, I'm kind of 50-50. I don't think I could be in a completely, um, a lot of this ties back to, to profession for me, because obviously that's how you spend so much of your awake time during the week and stuff. And your job is how you basically spend your days. Um, so for me, it's, I do have to, to be both at that job. And I don't think I could be um, happy if it was only creative responsibilities or only um, practical or logical responsibilities. I um, am pretty much split down the middle, I would say as well. And luckily um, in my job, it's a really unique role because I have um, creative responsibilities because I create graphics and banners and all of our print material and social media and stuff. So there's a lot of creativity there, but then um, all of that creativity is drived by practical and logical thinking of what is the consumer going to think of this. So unlike Alex, I would say that a lot of my like practical and creative thinking is actually done at the same time, um, especially in the work environment. It's 100% done at the same time and it's never isolated from one another. The only time that I'm, I would say I'm exclusively kind of just channeling uh, my creative mind would be when it's um, for personal, just like hobbies or something like that. So Alex, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, it just, uh, there's obviously a difference in how we work, right? Yeah. Because I mean, like, um, I, you know, I actually have to kind of retract my previous statement a little bit though. So is it 50, 50, never at the same time? I, I'm actually kind of backing off for that because I, I've been thinking about that question, you know, for the last few weeks and thinking about it a bit more. I've kind of realized that I, I do probably lean more towards the artistic side a lot of the time. And the, but there are a few situations where I actually do do both at the same time, especially um, probably the one that comes into my comes into my mind is if I'm on a professional shoot where mm -hmm. I have to deliver portraits, mm -hmm. I have to think about the practical side and the artistic side at the same time. Yeah. Right? Whereas with um, with the wildlife photography projects, right, I am basically purely in the artistic space, trying to put together um, a collection of images. And then I think about the practical side of that, like after it's already done. Um, so no, yeah, that's, yeah. that's interesting. I can imagine it would be like, if you're on a professional shoot and you're doing like portrait photography, it would probably be the worst feeling to get home, look at your pictures and realize that you kind of missed a key angle or a key like pose or something like that, where it's like, shoot, how did I even kind of oversee that? Cause you can't really go back and, and achieve that um, after the fact. Oh yeah, you're you're basically screwed. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's why I have a checklist for for that kind of stuff. Definitely, yeah, and that's like the same thing when I'm sending out. Um, obviously, it's one thing if you post something on your own social media that is a bad look or whatever, but when you're representing a company and you're posting on behalf of a company and you're creating website content on behalf of the brand and stuff like that, it's like the the stakes are obviously higher and you have to represent the brand in a way that adheres to brand guidelines while, while simultaneously kind of being flashy enough to catch people's attention and to be interesting and to, to, to look pleasing to the eye while still getting your point across. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm a marketing manager at an LED um, lighting company for uh, commercial and industrial products. Mm -hmm. So obviously uh, the nature of the job is, is quite technical just because of what we sell. Um, so it's super important for um, accuracy. And when you're 
promoting electronics and, and stuff that has the potential to, to hurt people. If it's <laughs> you label something as the wrong voltage on the packaging or something like that, like there is that while it is creative, I would say the practical side and kind of attention to detail and stuff like that, um, attention to, sorry, like non-creative detail um, is equally, if not more important for my, my profession. Actually, no, not more important. It's equally important. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I, it's kind of interesting for me because I have I'm like my own brand, but sometimes mm -hmm. I actually forget what my brand is to people. Right. <laughs> so, like I um, not gonna lie, I, I, like part of my brand is kind of being uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but like a, a bit of a douchebag. If I'm being completely mm -hmm. honest, that's part of my brand. Well, um, <laughs> please. I think I think that maybe. It's like um, very like straightforward and like authentic and just like you say things that are like, because obviously I, I know you personally as well. Um, and I think that you you say things and you're very, this is me, take it or leave it. And I respect you if you leave it, but also I hope you take it and I'm not going to change for 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 anyone. And I think that's really admirable. And especially in your work, it's, it's when you're an art artistic person and you are your brand, you get to control what people see. And it's, it's really nice that you're fully kind of able to control what you put out there and the shots that you take and the messaging you're trying to convey. It's, it's very authentic. And that's, that can be a little bit more rare, especially when you're trying to kind of get traction on the internet and stuff. It's, it's easy to fall into what's popular, or what people like, but that's not always what's going to be beneficial in the, in the long run. You said that in a much nicer way than I would have said it. I, I, got it. I, I appreciate I, that. I picked up what you were putting down. I got it. <laughs> yes, I think you did get it very well. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, so I, I see that, that you both are very similar in ways, but I know how different you are as well. And Jess, you're a team player. You have to be. In, in your work. Um, could you talk a bit about how important that is and how you manage it? Because you are a manager now. Yeah, yeah. So I do. I manage um, two people right now and soon to be a third next week, which is very exciting. Um, mm -hmm. Management has been uh, more challenging than I uh, assumed it would be, I think you could say. Um, mm -hmm. People always say not everyone can be managers. And I thought that um, people kind of just said that to make the non-managers uh, feel better and whatever. But um, no, it is it is challenging. And especially I find um, the the people who report to me, they're graphic designers. Um, so I'm, it's difficult to give feedback on artistic work, because um, obviously, it's subjective. Um, what's nice to some person is uh, not nice to another. Um, and that's kind of what makes it great. And that's what makes it different. And, and that's why it's fun and enjoyable, but when you are representing a brand, um, the brand is always right. And you could like something, but if it's off brand, no matter how great I think it is, it's just, if it's off brand, it's just not going to make the cut. And that's kind of the reality of it. And it's, you have to find tactful ways to provide, to provide feedback and say, I like this direction, but what if we um, focus a little bit more on this and tone this down and kind of provide feedback in a way where it's not personal, because sometimes when you're getting feedback, especially on artistic work, where you are inevitably putting a um, yourself out there a little bit and what you think is nice and and obviously you liked it if you submitted it so having someone say hmm good try not the right direction it can feel very personal 
it can feel like it's it's very personal when it, it's not. Um, so I'd say it's it's been challenging to give um, maybe more critical feedback where it's been necessary. Um, mm -hmm. But with practice, it becomes easier. And the more you know people and kind of know their personality, you kind of um, can manage on how you're going to say, um, good try, not the one, you know? <laughs> I, I, oh, I wonder now, because I think maybe if you could explain a bit for our listeners, um, the brand and yeah. how, how you're given you're given a brand and you have to support that brand, right? But yeah. I think a lot of people are a little confused about the word brand. And if you yeah. could elaborate. So yeah. typically um, a company will have a set of brand guidelines um, and that is kind of like the tangible, um, this is the color palette, like these are the CMYK values um, for print, these are the RGB color values for um, digital work, uh, this is our font, this is um, the margins that we use, kind of just like do's and don'ts of the logos, like don't put this color logo on this color background. So you have all of those like hard and fast rules of yes and no. But uh, in those rules, there's a lot of um, there is a lot of room to kind of do what you want. And or at least at my company, um, there is there is the room to put things together in different ways and stuff like that. So while you do have the the brand kind of like the colors and the the more tangible things, you also have to just use your judgment of does this match the tone of the brand and was the tone playful? Is it young? Is it um, very polished and corporate? Or is it um, is it kind of more um, like stuck up and prestigious? Like what is the brand or is it very, does it feel modern? Is it supposed to feel warm and inviting? Like that is a little bit harder to label. So that might not be in brand guidelines, but you have to um, kind of encapsulate that in your work. So um, obviously, like I said, it's it's a technical uh, position that I'm in um, because it's of the, the electrical industry. So um, I would say our stuff is clean and polished and um, simple. It's not too salesy. It's not too, these are like the best lights ever. You have to get them um, because it is, we're selling to engineers who are um, specking for jobs and, and doing big um, like projects and new builds and stuff like that. So we try to be very practical and here's our great price and here's all the specs of these lights. And so you, you have to adhere to the tone of the brand that can't always be described in one sentence of do this or don't do this. You really have to use your judgment. And it's, it's a lot about the feeling that you give consumers when they look at your content. So that's a broad spectrum of people you have to appeal to. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also we, uh, we're a business to business. Well, um, we're technically uh, a manufacturer, so um, we sell to distributors who sell to end users. So we have to we have to um, do business to business marketing because we need distributors to buy our products, but they're actually not the consumer. So we also have to appeal to um, the electricians and the contractors and stuff like that. So it's challenging. You do get to do um, kind of both um, avenues, which it's very fortunate that I get to do that because not a lot of positions um, allow for that. It's it's pretty unique, um, but yeah, it's it's challenging to appeal to one without kind of stepping on the other one's toes or vice yes, versa. Yes. So, Alex, how do you relate to that? Because you're a, 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 an entrepreneur, and as Jessica pointed out, you have 
you don't have and you don't want that kind of a of a, an obligation that Jessica has. Do you want to speak to that? Um, yeah, I mean, I have a, like obviously a very different uh, experience when it comes to um, branding and my my role in my company, right? Mm-hmm. I, what I what I do relate to a lot actually is the um, when Jessica was talking about feedback earlier, mm-hmm. giving giving feedback to people because I have to uh, critique a lot of photos, and um, that is very hard because people um like are basically putting the ca- capturing their like essence in their photos sometimes so they're, they're like this is this is them this is like a part of them and then to come in there and for me to be like yeah but it, you know it's kind of a piece of crap right <laughs> it's kind of right it, it, like, i have to find a way to 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 say that in a in a way that's a little bit less hurtful um uh which is very it, it can be challenging depending on the image i'll, I'll just put it that way I feel like um. <laughs> also if you're having to provide feedback to people who are trying to start their own brand and and people who are truly just capturing things based on what they like and they're not adhering to um, corporate guidelines or anything like that, it truly is guided by solely what they enjoy and what they like. So naturally, I think that they would take that much more personal. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Rather than like me, if, if you say, oh, I don't really like this packaging, I'll be like, well... Uh, I didn't pick the dimensions and this is like, I had to take a picture of the product. It looks like what it looks like. I can't really do anything about that. I'll do my best. I'll rework it. But this isn't like that specific product probably isn't like my, my like life's passion and my favorite thing I've ever done in my life. It's just like, I just had to, I design all the packaging. I don't know if I said that. So I design all of our, our packaging. packaging. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have to do that because it's a product and it needs a box and I want it to look amazing. But at the same time, it's not, um, it's not my driving force in life and what really brings me the most joy ever. Um, like maybe when you're, you're critiquing someone's brand image or, or images that like photographs that they're making based on just what feels good to them. That's a lot harder. Yeah. No, I, I run into the issue of people taking it too hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've had people, straight up go into like depression phases and and uh like quit photography um oh. a, a few times because they 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 asked for advice but they didn't they weren't actually ready to to get it right mm-hmm. that, that's that's why i started to tell people it's like hey like what kind of advice are you looking for are you looking for something you know just to kind of give you a little like kick or you think or you want like a, a full-on essentially like critique which ends up feeling like a character assassination um and so- yeah, it becomes very it becomes very challenging to to find that that balance there. Definitely. So, so Alex, uh, can I ask how you've accommodated to that? Have you found a softer way to express those feelings that um, might be more palatable to somebody who's super sensitive, as some artists are? Yeah. Well, I think the strategy I've incorporated mm-hmm. is I've. Um, I have like almost like a formula for critiquing when it comes to like the technical side of the, mm-hmm. of an image, right? Cause there's always, there's always a technical component to it. So I look at the technical side of the image. I look at all those elements and I comment on those. And then, and then I start talking about the like artistic side, which is um, there is a little bit of objectivity, but it's mostly subjective. Right. And mm-hmm. I've, what, what I've started to do is I've kind of asked them what they're going for with their images more instead of just kind of, I, I we have a tendency in, because there is like there's like industry standards, but those are not really in in art. It's, it's kind of BS, right? Yeah. It's not it's not really a um, uh, it's it's not an actual like standard you have to adhere to. 
So like I will tell them like, look, hey, look, this image maybe breaks some of these conventions that we're we're dealing with here. Um, but if it aligns with your goal for the image, that's fine. If it doesn't align with your goal, you, you may want to kind of take a step back, look at what you know those uh, standardized, more standard rules are, and try to adhere them more carefully. Or if you want to push yourself further out of there, you know, break more of them. So right. I sort of do that. One thing that I find can be helpful is, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, um, but it's the sandwich method. Um, so you start with a positive and then you put in all the negatives and then you end with a positive. Um, and it can kind of make it a little bit more uh, of a tactful delivery and and make it go over a bit better. Yeah. So say, I really like this. This is wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, but overall, I really see what you're trying to achieve. See, <laughs> Even if I, no matter how small the positives are. I, I like the sandwich method, but I'll be honest. Sometimes there's not enough positives in there to make the sandwich that way and you have to, <laughs> and then and then you end up with like the negative sandwich where you just well, have then, an insult like the little positives and then then the insult again you can always do the intangibles like you know you're really dedicated to your work and i feel that i really i really I feel like feel your passion yeah and love for the art of photography yeah because that won't offend anyone it can just pad the criticism a little <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've got, I've got i've gotten a little bit better at it but I will say, like photographers are soft. <laughs> They're so soft, especially. Um, I, I've had like I've had to critique um, kids before, like their their photos, and they are really, really soft. Yeah, who, 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 I, I miss what you said, Alex. Who did oh, you have to critique? I have to sometimes I've, I critique children's art. Oh well, and, that's a and different they, story. And they're, and, they're, and they're really, really soft. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but you're kind. I hope I'm more kind. No, but here's 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 the thing though. Here's the thing. If you're too kind, you're lying, right? Like like like, like that's the problem. They, they like take what happens if you're too kind. They take all the positives, forget the negatives. So well, you have to make sure it's it's harsh enough. Sometimes you don't have to lie about the positives. You could just like omit some of the negatives. Is what I'll do, or I'll do it on the next revision. If I see like five negatives, I'll say three, and then they'll come back. I'll be like, oh, really good. A couple more, just minor changes to finish it off. That can make it a bit better too. But I admittedly put too much thought into what someone's going to think of it um, or think of my feedback. And it can be, um, well, it can be a positive because uh, I, I'd like to think my team likes me. Um, I can't say for sure, but I try to try to be very tactful because I do want them to, to like me, feel comfortable coming to me. It can be um, very like emotionally draining if you think about it too hard and think about how someone's going to take this and what are they going to think and sometimes you do just have to say it how it is a little bit yeah luckily for me my brand is kind of like on point straight shooter at least yes I, that works yeah. for you. it's authentic to, to who you are for sure <laughs> yeah yes it is wow so much to think about i really yes. like the way you discuss those topics and and you know one coming from a rather gentler side and uh and then uh, the other sort of saying, but I have to be honest, trying to really now, I think what you're saying, Alex, is you do work with that side of yourself to kind of make it more palatable. But again, sometimes you find it difficult. Am I right? Um, it's not that I've, yeah, I find it difficult sometimes. Sometimes, uh -huh. there, is, sometimes there is nothing positive to say. And I just okay. have to, I just have to sit there. Um, and I, I don't know, like I, 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 I'm just glad that my brand is that I can be, I'm just a straight shooter. I can just send the trash bin emoji and people like it. <laughs> so you found a niche then, Alex. Have you not? I, 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 yeah, I, I suppose I have. 
And some people really respond well to that. And that's the thing. You're not going to, not everyone's like management style or critique styles or like style of giving feedback is going to resonate with everyone. But that's why you have different mentors to kind of suit your needs, I guess. Exactly. Right. And, and I've certainly heard a lot of people say, I just need someone to kick me in the butt and, you know, get me going. And I mean, that's a very common approach that some people take. I think it's certainly, it's very effective with some people. And exactly. with other people, they're out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Just simply out of there with it because they don't learn that way. That's what I find. So I think um, this has really been opening um, up some eyes here as to how different people are, are planning this. Um, Alex, you say that you are changing gradually and uh you have moved somewhat out of the uh, more prag pragmatic side, even though that's your bread and butter, but that you're seeing yourself more as predominantly artistic. Correct. Yes. And and what started you on that transition? And if you'd like to explain a bit of it to us. Sure. I'll, I'll try not to make it like overly personal. Um, but yeah. I mean, uh, probably working on my mental health has maybe transitioned more to the artistic side of things um just because if you're if you're an artist and you're you're trying to balance out the practical side from and the artistic side too much what can tend to happen is you end up diluting your artistic side and that's what was happening to me for certain things and i had still had the original artistic ideas but i never got to fully realize them because i was just thinking about that practical side too much instead of you know getting like basically finishing the pieces and then dealing with the practical side after. So I, I've been trying to kind of um, taking a step back from the practical side because I, I have like the ongoing teaching thing and I, I that's like, a, uh, that's how I'm making a lot of my money. So I, that's, that's not, that's not going to change. So I, I just have that consistently there. And I just thought, you know what, I'll just pull back from um, some of the more practical side of my, on my art itself, come back, work on the art, it's art, and then kind of, represent it when the time comes um, and, and this was prompted partially by going to therapy and stuff and talking to my therapist about uh, what would be good for my own mental health because I'll be honest I was really like I was really struggling there for a while and I wasn't really sure what kind of direction I wanted to go in but um, kind of just it's allowed me just to recenter things a bit if that makes sense it makes sense it's nice that you have your like your personal like photography um, you, like your wildlife pictures, maybe to be a little more creative. And then you have your, you know, the more like strategic and maybe logical um, teaching aspect to kind of like you make your money that way. And it maybe takes a little bit less pressure off of your your wildlife photography, um, which could could give you the the freedom to be a little bit more creative and just do what feels right rather than what you think you should do, I would assume. Yeah, you know, exactly. And I... I'm a, I'm respected in the wildlife photography community because I'm a, a pretty creative photographer, and it it's probably advantageous to my business to be more creative in that mm -hmm. sphere. I'll get more I'll get more clients coming in that way. I it will, and also the changing of strategies here will allow me to sell my art itself. So it actually is, it has like a practical side effect, but it's not like the primary motivation. Uh, motiv ugh, motivation. <laughs> but I guess from both of you, I'm hearing that you know there's this outside world that everybody's in and they have to find a way to walk in that life. But then there's a really important part and uh, that it has, it's, you've got it within you. And that 
sort of speaks to you in different ways, each person. But that's something that comes from within you that you, and Alex, I think maybe you would agree that if you ignore that, it's at your own peril because it eventually gets to you that you you have to listen to that voice. And learning about that voice can be a journey in itself. And have you experienced that, Jess? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, like like you said, it's a, it's a delicate balance of like you want to do what makes you happy, but it also makes you happy to have a somewhat stable income that you can live comfortably off of and allow you to kind of pursue your hobbies and stuff. So it's it's finding kind of that delicate balance of um, does this pay the bills, but does it also bring me joy? And um, I think that it can be really challenging to um, find a career in something that something that does that, or even if you're in the right industry, in the right field, um, every company culture is different. And um, sometimes mm-hmm. that can play a part. Like you, you think you're kind of entering into something that's going to, you know, you're going to enjoy, and obviously you're going to be able to um, sustain your life off of it. And then it doesn't, and that can be um, really disappointing and it can be challenging and and you can try to make it work and stuff but ultimately yeah you have to you have to feel satisfaction um enjoy like towards what you do every day to some degree and i guess that degree is uh different for everyone and i would say it's probably higher um, maybe for creative people um but yeah it, it is it's different for everyone and just finding finding what brings you kind of contentment so now jess i'm gonna ask you this too because I know that you are now uh, creating low, you you do that for your job, but you also are doing that as well. And we'll have created a logo for us. Yes. And um, that is separate though, is it not? That part of you and how you're managing it? Yeah. So I would say that um, like I do, so obviously outside of work, I'll do um, some uh, graphic design work just for family and friends. Um, just because it is, it's nice just helping people and, and kind of, uh, it's nice to be able to give them something that they want. And it's fun for me to, um, obviously, uh, because I am in the technical field and I do have to adhere to brand guidelines when I do kind of this outside, um, this work just for family and friends, it really kind of changes the landscape of which I work. And I'm all of a sudden using different colors and different fonts. And I'm, I'm doing a completely different task, even though it is still design, it's, it's for a completely different purpose. And um, it really kind of keeps things fresh and it challenges me because I'm not as experienced in it. I don't do it every single day, um, but it, it's very satisfying and, and gratifying, obviously, to, to work with family and friends and to kind of grow my skills and kind of add some diversity to my portfolio for my future. If I do ever um, switch companies or, or grow into a, a different industry, it's, it's nice to have kind of experience in, in more than one um, industry or, or area of your profession. Oh, you would like to keep growing and uh, and possibly even in the future as as your time allows, it would be on the side probably at least for a Maybe. long time. But who knows, right? Yeah. Right now, it's kind of like what Alex was saying. Like I've I contemplated maybe doing some freelance work for people. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, like right now, I I just do it just for free because then it, it does take the pressure off me a little bit. And I don't want it to feel like a job. Like I do want it to feel fun and kind of not be so rigid with like contracts and stuff like that. So I do like to, to keep it 
not as a side business um, right now anyways, but definitely who knows um, what the future will hold. And I am still early into my career, so I don't want to kind of spread myself too thin and have to come home and, and reach deadlines for freelance clients and stuff like that. I do want to have all of my energy kind of poured into um, my nine to five um, so to speak. So yes. yeah, it is more of a hobby, I would say, and it's it's fun to do and it's fun to give to family and friends. But as of right now, there are no plans to kind of start my own business, but definitely in the future, um, you know, and as you grow a family and stuff like that, I mean, who knows uh, what could happen. For sure. Uh, Alex, now uh, you, you are expanding too uh, with the, with the, um, family photo shoots and the different uh, portraiture that you're exploring. And that is becoming more part of your portfolio than just a family and friends uh, kind of thing. Is it not? If you want to elaborate, yes, Alex. Yeah, yes, correct. Yeah, I'm expanding into uh, family portraiture to go along with my teaching and wildlife photography um, stuff and in uh, headshots. Um which is kind of it's kind of fun. I'm also going to be expanding into a few other genres. Uh-huh. It's funny because I actually teach the genres, but I never actually shot them professionally, uh-huh. which is kind of funny. Like I teach people how to shoot them professionally, but I just I just didn't kind of register my brain to to do them myself. So I'm kind of expanding in, in that in yeah, that direction. area. It's gonna be good. It's good because it's it's a, it's a practical thing. It doesn't require too much creativity. There's kind of like a strict. There's a bit of the kind of standardization for that kind of stuff. So I don't have to be. Um, I don't have to waste a lot of uh, creative energy in family portraiture headshots, uh, which which is nice because it becomes like it becomes more like a bread and butter type situation. Um, I've been doing some creative portraiture too. Um, that's gonna be part of my portfolio. That's gonna be part of my business. But mm-hmm. I I, ha- I have this. I have to get the cohesive um, portfolio together for that. So that's gonna take a little while, and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's some creepy stuff. So. I, I, I want to make sure I have like a full portfolio because I, I can't include it with the rest of like I can't put like this like naked photo of like covered in blood like next to a, a, a cute photo of a, of a kid. It's just not it's just not gonna not gonna fly. Yeah. So it's like a different Alex, brand. Do you want to explain sort of this like sort of Dracula stuff and and a little bit more so? Oh, it's about our, our um, audience knows that, that that there was kind of a theme behind. Yeah, kind so of macabre. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. I have um, one of my favorite things in the whole world is okay. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, need find, I need to find a way to word this because it's going to sound really bad if I was going to say what I just was about thinking to say. Um, I, I have a like aesthetic obsession with death. I guess <laughs> so. I really like the way like death looks vis- visually. Um, and I like using photography to kind of visually manifest uh, thoughts and feelings that I sometimes have. So, <laughs> no, I, I see what you mean because I, 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 I understand what, yeah, what you're saying too. It's like the Frankenstein thing. The, we our, our culture's always been uh, kind of uh, intrigued. Yeah, yes, with these yeah. ideas. So, Go ahead, so, Jess. Oh, Alex. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like my, my recent kind of work in portraiture that I've been doing um, just to build my portfolio in that area is revolving around mental illness and um, things that I was feeling in my really dark times, I guess, and trying to manifest that in a, uh, in a visual way. So I have a picture of, I use my friend Brian as a model. He's very like 
kind of, I guess, gaunt looking. And he uh, he looks kind of gaunt and empty, which is great for, for this. Um, and I had blood coming out of his eyes and mouth. And I had him kind of in a really distorted position. And it was sort of like a yeah, visual manifestation of uh, deep depression. It was very gothic. And I, I've yeah. seen this. Yeah. And, and in fact, it's a very impressive it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a very good photo. I will say, like, I'm, sla- I'm slapping that my portfolio, putting on the front page. Um, when, when, I, when I have the, when I have enough to have the side brand, <laughs> it makes sense that it's fascinating and stuff um, that, or that you're fascinated with, with kind of that aesthetic because I feel like um, death and mortality isn't something that you get to. Oh, sorry, my cat's meowing. <laughs> it's not something that you get to to get to see all the time and it's not like widely um it's not a part of everyday life yet it's such a big part of life in general um so it is when you get to see it and and represent it in a way that's relevant to you i can see why that's satisfying and it it sparks deep feelings when someone looks at that yes exactly yeah and and the werewolves and all of these Things yeah. that uh, Dracula, which this is very, you know, reminiscent of, isn't it? I I see it that way. Alex. Um, yeah, it's 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 more like a uh, honestly, it's more rep, it's more ghoulish than 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 vampiric. Um, I've done some more of like vampiric style photo shoots. It's it it's, it has a more vulnerable feel than like a predatory feel. Dude, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, yes, definitely. Yes, very much so. And you captured that. And I think that it would be really nice at some point to be able to just have that introduced on a podcast and and, and your design. Jessica, I'm talking to oh, now yeah. because, um, you know, I think we can, again, I'm learning this technology too. I think the technology is such that we could sort of show some of this work since we're talking about image imagery and it's... Yeah really nice to do that so i would like to look forward to that with uh particularly some of the things we've talked about tonight and and we could just sort of have an example yeah, at, at some cool, point definitely. yes you might have to mark it as explicit though if you show that photo <laughs> your photo yeah oh it, 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 it you could it's like halloween for some people i hate to say that alex i know <laughs> maybe you don't like me to say that but you know, we don't have those elements. Yeah, it has it has those kind of like spookier elements. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Even though it's like the visual manifestation of uh, deep depression and, and suicidal thoughts. Well, that's how you see it. Then I'm glad. Well, it's important then because a lot of people, a lot of people have that. Yeah. Now, in our society, so in a way, I think it's appreciated to address it. I agree. I think that that's why I'm yeah. working on this series. Yes, uh, it's, I, it's, a, I, it's an important thing to talk about. It is absolutely. So I'm going to move along here now, um, because as you know, we are going to include your ideas both on how AI affects you, and also, and we've touched a bit on this, the entrepreneurship uh, aspects, because the workplace is changing so much. Uh, so we're going to start with AI. Jess, I mean, this is probably affecting you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that like AI is, it's very interesting and exciting, but it's also scary because it's, it's crazy how technology can be so, so smart and have like these kind of like human qualities 
like being intuitive and, and just knowing what you what you want, even if you don't say it the best way. Um, so it's it's a little bit it's like a it it's exciting, but it's like I said, it's it's also scary. So in my work, I'll. I'm conscious not to rely on AI a hundred percent for anything. Like I'll never have it write a caption or um, kind of like a, a synopsis um, entirely for me um, partially because it's the industry I'm in. It just can't really do that just in a hundred percent accurate way, but also I don't, it just part of it. I know it's, it can do so many great things, but then part of it just feels wrong to kind of just say like write a caption about led lighting and then, and then use that. It just doesn't sit totally um, right with me. I'm not sure sure why. But sometimes I will use it if I'm if I have a, a for example a social media caption or a little like synopsis about a um, a product series or something like that. Sometimes I'll pop that into AI and just say improve it, and I'll see what it comes up with. And then maybe it, it throws in an adjective or uh, rewords the sentence structure or something like that. And then I will kind of um, take bits and pieces and incorporate it into what I already have to make it to make it better. Um, but I would say that professionally, AI uh, hasn't given me anything that can be published uh, without a single change type of thing. So I just use it to to kind of improve upon rather than uh, create from scratch. So are you, um, does your company tell you whether you can use it or not use it and how to use it? Do they have that say or do you have that say? Honestly, we've never talked about that um, fully. I think that my boss would know that AI exists and she's never said you cannot use it at all. Um, I would definitely be uh, having that conversation with her if I was having it generate full um, paragraphs or captions about our lighting, just because, again, it feels a little bit um, wrong somehow. Yes. Um, but uh, my cat is hanging from the planter. <laughs> um, but I, I think that she would, or that my company would be totally um, on board with using it to generate ideas and stuff, because in a way it's not different from just going on the internet and looking for inspiration. Um, it's just kind of a different form of it's feeding it. If anything, it's making you more efficient because it's feeding um, exactly uh, what you're looking for right to you without having to search and stuff. Um, so there are definitely benefits like that where it can make you more efficient and it can improve your work. And um, like it, it does offer a lot, um, but it also kind of takes away some some of the authenticity and and uh, the person behind the work, I guess. Um, for me, it doesn't. I think about job security for people, especially like copywriters. Um, I would assume that they'd be feeling pretty uh, not good about AI because that is a, a big part of what they do is obviously just writing content for companies and stuff like that. So um, I'd feel a little bit more nervous if I was in a position that was only uh, like that, especially for maybe a more generic industry where there's not um, specifications that I have to to accurately kind of depict in, in my work and in my, my writing. Right. Um, Alex, you have strong feelings too about the AI, and I'm not sure if they've changed over the times that we've talked. Would you like to speak to that? Yeah, sure. I use AI to streamline my editing process a good bit. Um, I used to be kind of against it for that, but since I tried it, it doesn't really change my artistic output. It just makes things a little quicker sometimes. 
usually use it for just cleaning up the image quality slightly or um, for doing some basic retouches like I that are just take too long to do manually. Um, it's like an AI tool, not using, I'm not using it to generate anything new. Um, I mean, I, if I, I, I can't, even if I wanted to, I would not be able to use AI in my art itself. Um, because I would just, I would lose my entire reputation. I'd be destroyed. So, um, and also people, people want to know how to take images. So it doesn't really affect me, uh, truthfully. Um, but I do like AI for kind of generating like kind of starting point for for ideas like it's good to kind of type something and just see if there's a visual like manifestation of this concept and see if you can kind of build off of that in your head it's good for that um i know i had i had some friends who quit photography though because of ai so i know for other photographers who maybe aren't as um it's not their job or they're, they're maybe not known for actually being like artistic photographers it does seem to affect mm -hmm. them pretty strongly uh two of my buddies recently quit uh, AI was one of the big reasons. So obviously, um, obviously, it, it it does have an impact in the um in the community. But I think it's more for commercial uh, product photographers that have uh, the AI's bigger issue because you can just kind of generate the product and it's it's much easier for artistic photographers. Like the art does not is not really affected in the same way because you can't create you can't create uh our, our AI can't create what never existed before it can only it, it can only work with data right and I'm, well I'm, yeah it's it's, it's, not, it's it's taking it's, image it's taking reference images and combining them at least yeah. right now it is even on linkedin people will have a lot of like headshots of of themselves like professional headshots and you can tell it's ai it still looks good enough to use but you can tell it's ai and it's just you kind of submit other pictures of you in a casual setting um and then it just generates you in a suit with a professional background. And before that would be something that you would hire a professional photographer for. And now you just pop it into AI and you have a suitable picture. Yeah. 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 It's uh, yeah. for those kind of more, um, those, I, I would say not, they're not, they're not non-artistic, but like less artistic types of photography, the more commercial photography, it is a very real threat. Um, and I, I think for illustrators is even worse right now. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I think a lot of, design people are are being let go you know in in big companies so it's leaving a gap well like liam uh, not not to quote liam too hard here but liam thinks a lot of um computer engineering or, or so, sorry software engineering jobs are basically going to be useless soon because yeah. a lot of people are, are, are basically grunts and they're trying and they're just programming and the ai is going to be able to do that soon so if you're not actually designing the the software as much, you're just kind of being a, a doing grunt work. It's a very real threat to your job. So what do you you have to now define grunt work for people because it's very necessary. Sure, it will it will displace people for sure if you know the uh, AI replaces it. But when when you're talking about grunt work, can you just give it a description? Sure, uh, yeah. I'm referring to grunt work as a type of work that doesn't require any level of creativity it's okay. just kind of a um it's almost like the it has, the to, be done. It, it, it has, it has to be done and it's currently cheaper to hire someone to do it than get it done automatically i see AI. okay so i'm going to move on now because uh what i really want to know and i think it's good to follow this after ai is what do you Jessica, I'll start. What do you value 
that's within yourself that you would like to share, something that you feel would be something that, that other people would uh, would benefit from and you would be I able think, to share? I think that's something that I kind of work hard to um, to kind of like a driving decision maker for me would definitely be um, just integrity um, and oh. just kind of, you know, sometimes you have the opportunity to kind of take an easy way out or, or do something and it would be easier, quicker, whatever, but it's just, you just know it's not the right things. Like um, funny enough, like just like AI, kind of like we talked about, like it just doesn't feel right taking a caption and just submitting it for like um, to go live on social media or something when I didn't write it. I mean, that's a very um, small example, but I think that just, I think it's a big example actually, because it's tempting. And, and, and I think that I think people are looking for that integrity. Mm -hmm. It it just builds trust. Yeah. So. So I think I, I, I'm proud of my, um, my moral compass, I guess you could say. And I, I try to kind of follow what, what feels right. And, and even if, like I said, I can't kind of put my finger on why I wouldn't want to use a, a completely AI generated caption. It just doesn't sit right with me um, for just kind of intangible reasons, I guess. It just feels a bit wrong. And even though I can't exactly quantify exactly what, what or why or what the reasoning is, it just it feels wrong, so I'm not going to do it. So I feel like that um, kind of that strong conscious and moral compass is, is something that I've come to rely on to, to make good decisions for myself and um, in both my professional and personal life. So I'm, I'm proud at I'm proud of how uh, how I've used that to, to try to guide me uh, the best I can. Anyways, I think that's a great credit to you. And I think a lot of people do look to those uh people that they can trust in that way. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. I st- you asked me this question last time and I, I know I, I, and I, I just wanted you to come yeah, up really, with that again. I, I really struggled to <laughs> uh, answer it. Um, if it makes I, you feel I, better, it was challenging for me too. I, I was kind of, I, I obviously had a glimpse of, of kind of what we were going to talk about ahead of time, just a little bit like a, a guide or whatever. And it is, it is, difficult somehow to come up with something so you really do have to to think about it which is weird because you should know yourself better than anyone but yeah it's it's kind of funny i i, I was i've been I think thinking about this question time. for for weeks and oh. i don't really know how to answer that question um what do i it, it, the question was what do i value in myself right mm-hmm. yeah um, yes and, and you, obviously, what you discussed with Jessica, too, and it has uh, resonated on this program with the uh, fact that you do feel important to speak your mind, whether people like it or not. I don't know. If, here's the thing, though. I don't know if it's if it's if I feel that it's important or if that I'm just compelled. I'm just compelled to. Like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just compulsive. It's, 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 it's a, see, this, see this, you can tell this therapy is talking to me. I'm talking a lot about, about, about obsessions and compulsions. That's, that's like a common theme with me. Okay. And I, I don't like, is it a compulsion for me to speak my mind or is it something I is, feels that there's value for? I don't know. Well, even when we were talking before about like providing critiques and you said like, I won't say something's good just to make someone feel better because that would be a lie. Like clearly you do like yeah you're right i i do value honesty a lot 
you value honesty and you're going to be honest even when it's hard and it would be easier to just lie and it would be easier to say, oh, good job, because that would make the conversation over quicker and it'd make them happy and then <laughs> you could move on and be done. But um, I think, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, that's not something that you're willing to do. And I think that that is something to value because like you said, you've kind of built your whole brand off of that. That That, that is very true. Yeah, it's building my brand off of honesty has been extremely important. It's it's allowed people to actually trust me. Yeah. Um, I guess it's I, I to say that about yourself, but it's, it's oh yeah, yeah. No, I I, I I feel very weird hyping myself up over yeah. what I, what I what I feel like I'm valued for. Yeah. Well, this is um, this is getting in there. I mean, I, I, but I'm, I think I'm it's really important. Too. I think it's so important because because of what is out there right now and how it's being used. And I think this just might sort of go along with all of this, but you have core ideas and you are both, um, you both feel it's really important to communicate them, the ideas that you care about, and especially to the people around you that, Jessica, you're responsible to a lot of people around you, you know, and, uh, and Alex, you are in a situation too You've got the students, you, 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 you've got your clients, students, a, a very wide range of people too. And yet you've got to, in some way, be able to communicate what, what you're all about. So they would know if, if, if they would be a, a, a client, would you have that ambiance between you or the, you know, would you um, resonate with each other? So um, again, Jess, uh, I'll start with you and then Alex. Yeah, so I think that um, I would say personally, if you ask um, if you ask people in my personal life, they would say I'm pretty uh, straightforward and direct. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm definitely someone who I do speak my mind. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to maybe say something that someone will disagree with, and. Um, I'm okay with that. Like that's, if you disagree, like I'm totally, some people can't agree to disagree. That's just maybe not their nature or they don't feel that the conversation has come to a close if that's how you're ending it. Um, I don't really have a problem um, doing that. Like me and my dad will talk about politics and you know, that always is a controversial topic no matter what your thoughts are. Um, so I think that personally, I think just being blunt and direct, but yet respectful and and kind of understanding that people are going to have different beliefs and that's what makes it interesting and fun and it'd be more more harmonious if everyone thought the same thing but it'd also be a lot more boring um <laughs> and then professionally it's kind of the same thing as i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of let you know um what i'm thinking and what my thoughts are and and whether it's bringing an idea to a table or bringing an idea to the table or or bringing a concern to a table, whether it's negative or positive, um, I think it's just kind of about tact and being tactful the way that you communicate it, especially in a professional setting where you are kind of, for me, representing um, more than myself, I'm representing the company. Um, so I think professionally, I just try to to try to really keep that in mind and, and maybe even be more um, delicate than in my personal life when I'm talking to people who um, have chosen to to be friends with me and and I know they appreciate me for that. Um, I do kind of tone it down professionally um, while still being true to myself, of course. But um, you do kind of 
you have to stick to your values, but uh, adjust the delivery depending on the audience is, is what I've learned. Good answer. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, so Alex, yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm for me. I'm I'm almost like the opposite in my personal and professional life. I in my professional life, I'm I'm very good at conveying information to people and explaining it, explaining like who I am and what I what I need to do. But in my personal life, I am awful, like awful, <laughs> unbearably bad, like to to the point of like disability bad. Okay, that's that that's what we're talking about. So that's professionally, I'm. So one thing, Alex, that's an emotional thing, right? Because you are very good at putting technical talk and different uh, aspects of the skills into language that, you know, translates to the everyday lang language, even when you're talking about something very complex. That's one of your strengths. Yes, yes. So I, I, then, I can I can translate technical information over. Yes. It's hard for me to translate emotional information over. I oh, use yes. I use my photography to translate it to translate it over interesting right Ooh, I, because, yes. because because i this is something i've learned myself very recently uh -huh. i i do not have like i almost completely lack the ability to communicate certain things uh in any way outside of my art which mm. is fascinating it's absolutely fascinating to me um but like and something when, you weren't aware of you know something i was not aware of until like a week ago <laughs> yeah. well, you've made a lot of progress <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you call you can call it that yeah well i guess that's a <laughs> sort of this is sort of more to our one of our next questions it's a pivotal a very pivotal moment then for you um yeah i, I guess the discovery that i like kind of messed up yeah sure <laughs> i suppose i suppose it's a pivotal isn't moment. everyone though <laughs> yeah. yeah a little bit yeah to some degree everyone is in their own way whether it be about this or that everyone's got something oh yes yeah, it's a, it's it's very it's it's very interesting to be kind of I don't know like going through therapy is a, is a fascinating thing because you kind of go in there and you kind of realize that you know many things in your life have turned out to be you know that you perceive a certain way or actually something else. Yeah, it's part of growing, isn't it? I mean, however you come at that, that is very true. I think I I mean I'm we're different generations, uh, but. I'm hearing some truths <laughs> that I really relate to even at this stage. So, yes. Uh, so, again, we're talking still about this drive that you have. And um, what is the primary force that does drive you? Or is there a primary force? Is it different? Like, everybody likes to put it simple, like this single force that's gripping you. But does that change for you or what is it? Can you describe it if, as you understand it at your stage? And that may change. I would say um, for me, I really value uh, stability and mm -hmm. that kind of puts me at ease and, and makes me kind of find peace in my day-to-day -day life. I like my routines. I like stability, whether that be financial, emotional, um, just I I enjoy kind of I don't like to wonder, um, like I, I personally couldn't work ex um, exclusively on like commission-based, just I know that would turn me into um, like an, an, a ball of anxiety basically. Um, yeah. But some people 
people that drives them and it makes them want to work hard and it makes it exciting and fun and, and not knowing how much like what your capped potential is. Like some people would not want to be um, on a salary, for example, because they're like, well, then I know what I'm going to make that year. And that's not exciting um, versus me. I really like, like I said, that stability. So I think that it's been a combination of kind of touching on um, earlier, doing what makes you feel good and brings you joy every day. But also for me, um, what is going to kind of help me sustain um, a lifestyle that brings um, me comfort and, and happiness. And for me, that was kind of finding um, graphic design and marketing because it allowed me to, to merge kind of um, my creative like what I enjoy to do creatively, but also um, in a space in today's world where there is kind of, there's quite a few different careers that you could have because you can be marketing in, for example, the electrical industry, but then um, marketing is needed for basically every industry. So there is definitely a lot of um, turning points it can have. And I feel like it's um, secure, but not so secure that I know I'm going to be doing one thing forever, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Alex? Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I've talked about this before, and I have a lot of yes. uh, weird, yes, you have. interesting things that drive me creatively. Um, right now, I'd say, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, I'm going to end up using a bit of therapy talk because this is like what's on my mind. Um, I, 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 I feel like I'm not understood a lot of times, so I used my art to um i guess channel that feeling and present it to people um in a very uh obsessed and compulsive way um if you it, will well, it's pressing on you very very <laughs> strongly at the moment isn't yes it? yeah it, it's a it's a very it's a it's a it's a strange feeling because i it's not it doesn't okay if i'm to explain how it feels it doesn't feel like there's something driving me so, like it, it if it's it's not like how to put this like i um I, I yeah i just feel i just feel very compelled to to do to create my art through my personal emotions and uh there's obviously a pressure to perform because of money my audience um you know family and stuff like that and also just my 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 passion for the art itself it keeps me mm -hmm. keeps me moving it, it, it's a very multifactorial thing and mm -hmm. the Per each of my series of pieces of art, it's usually driven by a different kind of emotion. Uh -huh. So my recent recently it was kind of like a, a anxiety about being like lack of understanding. But then a previously I had one about like self hatred, uh, and then I had some about resilience. So you know it kind of it kind of rotates depending how I feel at the time. Um, sorry, that was maybe a confusing answer, but <laughs> that makes sense. It's yeah. a complicated answer because it's a complicated question, right? It is. It is a very complicated question for me. And can I ask you then, Alex, like you used to almost, you said in, in another podcast, which I think a lot of our listeners would have heard that um, you almost had to cultivate, um, not cultivate, but allow uh, your negative thoughts to, um, to make you want to be rid of them so strongly that you had to do the, the, uh, create your art yes is there any any of that left in how you're feeling okay so I'll, I'll i'll kind of explain that situation yes yes so uh, um yeah, a few years ago when i was kind of starting my uh people called the shorb jesus era my photography 
<laughs> I was um, uh, starting to become a, a bit more experimental in my art. And I started kind of exploring concepts and working, kind of building off of that. But then it eventually got to the point where I had to, to perform at the level that I felt that I needed to. I had to cultivate a depressive mental state with a lot of self-hatred. So, and that was the only, that was the thing that motivated me. So for, mm. I had about a, had about a full year of, of basically increasingly bad depression that was like self-imposed. It's until, almost, yeah. It's almost like an actor. Like to me, I can yes. kind of relate that to an actor who has to completely change their, their mental state for a, a role that they're going to play. If it's a really dark role um, in a movie or something like that, or even yes. having to change their whole like body composition, you really have to like fully immerse yourself into that in order to, get the result that you want exactly you almost need to become someone else well, and that, I, that has affected uh, uh several hollywood actors mm-hmm. some of them had a bad outcome so alex it's really interesting that you are now in a situation where you can see through that and look at it to some degree with new eyes and still be able to uh work through it yeah it, it, um i'll say that it was very it was very challenging to work through that yes because you know you sit in, in a depressive state for a, for like a whole year it starts to become you it almost de- it destroyed like it almost destroyed multiple friendships and relationship and um you forget who you like, were before that almost exactly you forget who you were before that and you forget why you're doing this mm-hmm. right and i i essentially i've only recently had like been able to cleanse myself of this persona basically by deleting my entire instagram page <laughs> which was um there's a, a lot of people who funny funny you say that because i have just read about people who are doing that because of, of of the policies of instagram and different things so i won't go into that here but uh i think there might be some resonance with those feelings uh, with yeah, instagram for- users yeah, for me, well, it wasn't I shouldn't so much, say that. I guess, but for, for me, it wasn't so much motivated by um, Instagram's policies on things. It was it was just motivated by me- like mental health, and also mm-hmm. I realized that I I didn't um, present the work in its intended way through Instagram. So I had to I, I was basically forced to do it because it it is the only thing that I it was like um I've been playing with this concept of like um like a metaphorical suicide, uh, and just basically committing suicide as a character. Um, obviously not, not like literally like killing myself but like killing the character often mm-hmm. that's kind of what i needed to do just so i can like rid myself of that and i can maybe bring the character back in a uh more um positive way and I, I only i only recently knew i could channel positivity in my art uh to get really good results and that was through my recent hummingbird series yeah that was it's a great series yeah so that is really reinventing yourself and that's an idea as well that I think, personally, I think that we reinvent ourselves through many different stages, just out of necessity. Um, just briefly, if you would, at your stage, um, do you see, do you ever think about it in that way? Or is that something that you learn to see in yourself as as you go through many, many different stages? Well, I, I went out and purposely tried to reinvent myself a little bit um just because i i just felt felt that that was what i had to do to uh-huh. you know cleanse myself a bit purge the poison as i as i said in a recent instagram thing mm-hmm. no. 
Yeah, so I, I'm working. I'm pl I've been playing with the concept of like death and rebirth in art, and actually, like I'll be doing these uh, kind of limited runs of images, and then kind of deleting them to kind of play with that idea a bit more. Well, these are perfect examples of this. Jess, how about you? Do you see that as a, a, a idea that you embrace, or is it just you're just not there yet? I find uh, I don't notice that it's happening in the moment. Um, but then when I, I look back over um, a, a period of time, whether it be a few months or a year, um, you can kind of uh, you can kind of step back and and see that you've changed in a way that um, I didn't really know it was happening um, in the moment. Mm -hmm. But then you you see it from kind of a bird's eye view, and then you can take a moment to appreciate the change or or notice the change if it's not desirable. Um, but I find that, yeah, I, I typically don't notice, um, that on a, on a day-to-day, -day, um, basis, but looking back and, and reflecting, I definitely see it and definitely see, um, see it in me. I would say that I kind of view it or I, I try to view it as more, uh, growth rather than, uh, reinventing because it's kind of just, you're never gonna, gonna stay the same. And hopefully you're always going to keep getting to be a better version of yourself, whatever that means to you. So hopefully it's, it's a positive change and kind of just, uh, growing with, with your, your age and also your like life at, at that moment, whether it be professionally or personally or whatever it is. So I hear two differences here then just you're building on something. Mm -hmm. You're not throwing anything away. Right. Uh, where Alex, you've said you have had and still are working with a real need to just purge the poison is how you put it with that, that you do feel that you had along the way picked up some wrongheaded things. And now um, I'll let you explain or say what you will about that. Um, yeah, I, I am. Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 hard because like there obviously there's like personal growth and stuff, but sure, I, I, and I you do don't want to lose all that good stuff. I, I do, but I do also feel the need to cleanse the cleanse the palate, if if you right. will, and start again. And, and I'm thinking about this from the like artistic standpoint, just to um obviously I'm always growing as an artist. Yeah, but if I but like from a in some in some ways it feels like it's like a hard stop and then restart. I don't think it's unusual for an artist like a, I'm thinking more in, in, in the classic arts, painting and the photography, whatever, that there's a crisis almost in some um, artists that you know that they just say, I've had it. And, and I have known a few people who've done this, like they just want to give all the right away. They don't ever want to look at it again. They, you know, they, uh, they have gone through a crisis. Some people, they don't go back to it, but a lot of people do. They just had to time out and rearrange their ideas, I guess. I don't, uh, I can't speak for anybody else because it's all so personal, but th there, there does seem to be a lot of crises in the, in the, um, uh, in the visual arts. Well, yes. When you're in the visual arts, you tend to cultivate a, a kind of toxic environment for yourself. To, to generate um, images, I, I know a lot of painters go through that. A lot, a lot of them end up like committing suicide, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, they spend too much um, time. Well, the old painters used to have uh, lead poisoning from their paints. Even. Well, yeah, there, there's there's lead lead poisoning, yeah. and it, yeah. it, you know it's. 
But it's a lonely profession when you it, it put is. yourself into a very uh, 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 kind of basement mentality. I think is well, it yeah, not? yes, yeah, oh. it is. And a lot, a lot of people don't understand your art, um, yeah, which can be very depressing because a lot of times it, the art is a is a cry for help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, like, I remember when I was in, I was really depressed when I was in grade eight. And I used to draw like horrific things right and it was, it was totally a cry for help but no one no one ever came to help me because it was a, it was a basically a terrible school right <laughs> you drew some pretty sophisticated dinosaurs <laughs> yeah i also draw some very sophisticated uh uh images of death oh 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 well we're really glad that this is sorting itself out now also i feel like sometimes it's people if you're not into um art or if you're not a creative person it's hard for people to understand that art could be a symbol of who you are and it could be representing um what you're feeling because to them they could never imagine that that's what it represents just because that's not mm. something that does at all with them so it's hard for kind of a non-artistic person to to say hmm, maybe i should talk to this person about it because to them they're like oh he just wanted to draw something very dark because he thinks it's cool not because oh maybe he's feeling that way that's a good observation isn't it alex it is because you you wouldn't have thought of that at that point and it's it's very unfortunate for me because i think that's what everyone thought and it it really was like a cry for help well it's interesting how these things are unfolding and maybe other people out there are having some insights now from hearing you hearing how this is happening. I, I do want to know what value you give to determination, tenacity, and resilience going through all of these different things for both of you. Um, and also, within all of this, can we talk a little bit about your anxiety management plan? And it's uh, just, I'll, I'll start with you, because mm-hmm. you are quite different in your approach, and then we'll go to Alex again. Yeah, it's fascinating how different Alex and I are, yet we're both artistic. It's funny how that can like be. Yes, yes, yeah. Different, It's but that's kind of what makes art fun and um, being creative fun. But um, anyways, um, in terms of what role has determination and tenacity and resilience played, I think that obviously you have to just have some um, internal drive to to kind of create the life that you want. Um, And I really think that it does have a lot to do with the cards that you're dealt, um, just the life that you're born into. Um, Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to have a really um, great upbringing and supportive parents. And um, I'm not lost on um, what that has done for getting me to my career now and, and kind of shaping who I am. So I think that can't really remember where I was going with that but I think that I haven't I've been very fortunate in the fact that yes I've had to be tenacious and resilience and, and and resilient but some people have have to show that a lot more to to get further so it, it is partially kind of the cards that you're dealt in the way but then it's also how you play them obviously so um there are going to be hard things uh, no matter what I feel like so I try to just think of it as Things are going to be hard, so I might as well choose hard things that are going to get me to where I want to be because no matter what, 
you're going to have to go through challenges. So I might as well choose the ones that will hopefully benefit me. Um, and that's not always easy to remember or apply in the moment, but it is an overarching um, view of, of kind of, of that. And then um, my anxiety management plan, um, I actually had pretty bad anxiety um, probably the summer of second year university. So that makes me like 19, maybe um, 19 years old. So now because I've actually kind of dealt with anxiety for um, a long time, um, I'd say it's uh, fortunately very under control now. And it's, you kind of have to take, you have to, you have to try different things and try different, um, try to do different solutions for you, whether it's medication or therapy or both, or um, increasing your self-care or um, reducing stress, whatever it is. Um, I think that it's just important to continuously check in with yourself and, and ask yourself, how are you feeling um, like in your day-to-day -day life? Are you generally happy? And if you're not, then okay, what can we take into our own hands or what can I take into my own hands to to change that, whether it's um, starting a new hobby or making more time for an existing hobby or starting therapy or increasing therapy, whatever it is, I think it's just important to check in with yourself because it can be hard to remember to do that, especially when things are so busy and you're, you're juggling multiple responsibilities personally and professionally. Sometimes you don't have a moment just to be like, hmm, how am I feeling? And then kind of adjust your actions um, accordingly. So you know when you're getting out of balance. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's helpful to you. Definitely. Yeah. And like, I kind of, obviously everyone has individual triggers and you do your best to, to stay clear of those triggers or to only um, encounter them in a controlled environment where you know they're coming and you know that something might be challenging and might provoke anxiety, but you've already thought about your anxiety management tools that work for you that you can channel um, a little bit extra that day or whatever. But sometimes you just wake up anxious and you have to just kind of give yourself grace and whether it's a mental health day or it's, you know, you, you just do something special for yourself. Sometimes you just have to accept that that day might not be your best day, but that's okay because not every day can, can be great. You need a baseline to cut, to make the good days really good. Nice answer. And it sounds very inspiring that you have, you know, managed that that well. Well, I hope so, I didn't make it sound like rainbow and butterflies because sometimes oh, it's, it isn't. It's not, but, <laughs> no, um, absolutely but I, not. But I think that uh, as, as young as you are, that's come a long way for a lot of people to have that yeah. much insight, really. And uh, Alex, what would you that. say? <laughs> All right. So to answer the first question here, what yeah. role has determination, tenacity, and resilience played in my life? Mm -hmm. I, I think that obviously I was dealt a very good hand with mepering, as uh, as uh, Jessica mentioned. Um, so I never, I never, I didn't have to um, for for certain things. I, I didn't have to worry as as much with uh, having to perform. So I, I, there wasn't as much resilience that I, I needed. But I still, um, I, I still use a lot of determination with with what I do, and uh, especially now that I'm an artist, I, I use these a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say that it keeps me going. You know, it thinking about the end goal, thinking about my art, where I want that to go, it quite honestly it keeps keeps me alive sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I, I really, um, so yeah, I really does, I really do value um, determination 
and uh, tenacity. When it comes to my anxiety management plan, that's a that's a tough one because there is sometimes I I with the nature of my work, I want a certain level of anxiety. The issue though with me is I have uh, essentially a permanent like, permanent high level of anxiety and um that's very challenging and I've been working on managing that a little bit better. I've had problems with anxiety ever since I was a little kid. Uh, a lot of social anxiety, a lot of um, a lot of triggers uh, for certain things. Uh, always felt unwanted and uh, <laughs> unloved, I guess. <laughs> if my parents are listening, it wasn't from you. It was just in general. The general by society. Um, <laughs> well, if I could say here, it's interesting that someone who uh, was well-loved and uh, uh, could it, it could be missed so much. That, that you could feel that way. Well, you know Despite what it is? Despite those things, it, where you have a super sensitive personality as well. Yeah, um, you know you know what it is? It's mm-hmm. the, um, it, it's like, you know, you can be loved, but also neglected in certain ways. And that's the thing I've, I've realized. Like I, because I trouble, I have trouble communicating despite mm-hmm. certain, certain needs that I have with people. Mm-hmm. And I get extremely, extremely irritated by like really... Uh, quite honestly really dumb things sometimes like certain like uh like sounds or feelings or like 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 um like like there's like certain like sensory things or certain ways people say words and stuff like it, it really really bugs me so i've always struggled with that my my whole life and it's something i'm, I'm now just kind of understanding why and learning about um so so when it comes to anxiety so when it comes to anxiety around things i've always had just a really high level of it and um so when it comes to like managing the anxiety, uh, I've kind of had to recognize the things that really irritate me, situations that I, 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 um, I, that I get a lot of anxiety in. And maybe if I, if I have to deal with those often, I basically have forced myself to learn how to deal with them. And for situations I don't necessarily like absolutely have to do, I, I kind of avoid them truthfully. Um, and oh why not? That's you know. It's it's very it's it's very helpful to yeah know yeah. what you need to avoid. Like I I know that like uh I don't I I can't I I can't talk politics anymore with people just because just the, there's a certain like condescension people put in their voice sometimes but not not intentionally but like with certain people I just can't talk politics with them and I and that, that's okay right. <laughs> you t- can't talk. Did you say politics? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah I, with, with certain people, I certainly I just, understand. I just, that. Yeah. 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 I just, I just, I just can't do it. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure some of these people are the same people that you're talking about. Um, and um, I, I used to be able to talk more politics, but I just, I, I just lost my ability to to, to manage that in recent years. So then um, I think you've you've chosen just to let it go and just for you to. Yeah. Just, just do whatever just, you just, do. Just avoid it. Obviously, yeah. there's certain situations where I have to uh, come at it, and I admit I'm, I'm not good. Like I'm not, I'm not great at, at managing the anxiety. Sometimes I'll, I'll get anxious enough and I'll basically like, uh, emotionally like shut down for a bit. Um, now I, I really wonder, um, if that's not a good thing. I mean, I guess, you know, it depends it, 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 how it, much you need to let it go. Jess, it, do you have any feelings about that? Do you shut down ever yeah. just to defend yourself? definitely I think it's like it's kind of a a fine line between like you want to expose yourself to the challenging challenging things so that you get better at handling it and can kind of just be 
a little bit more um, stress-free day-to-day because you're going to have less triggers, which will in turn make you just live a more peaceful life. But then it's also like, or I could just kind of put the energy into avoiding them, which also makes me live kind of a more peaceful life. So it's, it's whether or not you want to put your energy into one rather than the other. So I think it's easy. It's shutting down. I think if you need to do it for a couple hours or half a day or a day, um, a yeah. night, take time for yourself to to really kind of calm down and come at it from a different, um, different perspective. Um, yeah. But I don't think that I it'd probably be beneficial to try to revisit it when you're able to rather than kind of tuck it away forever. Um, But no, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, kind of removing yourself um, as you see fit to, to just to, I guess, make yourself more comfortable because that, I guess you do owe it to yourself to do that. So what I'm hearing from everybody, and we spent a fair amount of time on this idea, but one of the most practical things or moving ahead in 2024 with the job situation as it is, with AI imposing on us, with the choice to be either an entrepreneur or to work in a, a, you know, together with a company and team and different things like that. We've sort of gone from the solo person to the team manager uh, with both of you. But both of you express some very common things that uh, are going to be important, I think, to a lot of people to get to to come to terms with what is going to be really important to work on uh, as we're moving forward in 2024. And I am a little surprised to hear how big of a role that anxiety does play with everybody. I, I certainly know everybody deals, it, it seems to come up a lot more now. Maybe there's so many more choices than there used to be. Uh, But it's a very important thing. And I would like to carry on a discussion like that again sometime and just see what progress you have made as we go further into 2024. I know that we're running out of time. I wish that we could say more and more about this because it's important. But we are moving forward and... uh, do you have a particular immediate goal for uh, where you want to see yourself uh, four months from now, say, just arbitrarily? I think um, this might sound maybe not the answer that you would expect, but I'm really trying to um, not set, I'm trying to phrase it in a way that's that's accurate, but I'm trying to just enjoy where I am right now and make good decisions Um kind of daily rather than set this one overarching goal and have Mm -hmm. to reach the next milestone, especially at um, kind of this like young adult phase in life. Um, I feel like you, you go through high school and you have all these like, okay, you're in grade nine, then you're in grade 10 and you have all these very um, explicit, like, okay, it's the end of this, it's the start of this. And then you go to university and then you live there for a year and then you move into a new house with your roommates and then you graduate or you don't graduate but you finish first year and second year and third year and whatever and then you get a job and it's all these very like it's kind of like a carved out road of you've got like all these check marks that you're gonna um basically check off this list and then I kind of found it um a little bit difficult to be in a position where it's like 
okay, there's actually not um, a summer break ahead where it's like, okay, I'm just getting to this point and then it's a new mm. thing. So I'm trying to just um, enjoy where I am right now and kind of take in this kind of newer phase of life of living on my own. I've got my two cats. I've been in a, in a relationship, relationship and professionally I'm good. So I'm trying to just kind of, kind of refine all of, of those things and, and, enjoy them and soak them up while obviously continuing to to grow and challenge myself but also just to be a little bit more present in the moment and that I'm not always trying to get to like a destination it's more just let's just enjoy kind of where we are right now even if it's not the end goal but by the end goal you're going to be you're going to wish away like 20 years type of thing so I'm trying no, to yes to I see exactly yeah exactly yeah. what you're saying you're seizing the moments yeah <laughs> Um, yes. And Alex, how about you? You, you're. Yeah. So I have some personal things I'm working on and also some professional things. Right. For a, for a personal standpoint, I'm trying to find new, learn, learn more about myself as a person mm -hmm. and, and, um, work on managing stress and depression and stuff like that. Um, which I've actually made some pretty big, uh, strives in that direction which is really good yes uh, from a professional standpoint i have uh some new creative ideas that i'm working on some business expansion stuff you know working on um adding more to my portfolio um having different you know areas of my business i can grow grow with just a lot going on I'm kind of reinventing myself as an artist a little bit right <laughs> um it, and i'm also i have some goals to help some of my friends who are struggling too um as a close friends who are really struggling with their mental health and i'm i i've been trying to cultivate a situation where i have a little more energy to help them uh, it included uh, leaving some group chats and leaving all the group chats which are very emotionally draining and just so i can focus on my some people that actually need me that sounds like it, it's going to be very rewarding for you to yeah. go this this I, route i think i hope so <laughs> I, I look forward to hearing again from both of you three or four months just say how, how uh you know how, how how is it going and just keeping just watching not watching listening to the <laughs> to the journey uh that you're both on but it's been fascinating talking to you about these important things and unfortunately we're running out of time but I would just ask, before we close, um, what message would each of you want to leave our listeners as they continue down their own personal journey? What would you say to them? Um, I think kind of touching on my own personal goal, I would just say um, you summed it up really well. Just kind of seize the moment and appreciate it for what it is, whether it's good, just be grateful for it. And if it's not good or not where you want to be or not what you want to be feeling, then appreciate the fact that this is shaping um, hopefully the positive things that are coming and, and teaching you um, how to get where you want to be as hard as it is right now. Thank you, Jessica and Alex. Be authentic to yourself and never stop working on yourself. That's probably what I, I probably would all say, uh, both, crea both creatively and personally. Thank you, Alex. This has been for me a very, very, uh, I can't say it, just enjoyable. It has been enjoyable, but it's been so insightful what I've 
learned from the two of you. Very special. And I thank you both very, very much. Thank you for inviting me on. It was so fun. Oh, really enjoyed enjoyed it a lot. So, audience, stay tuned. (laughs) 